Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for joining the Sell Better Daily Show. If you are coming back to join us, welcome back again. If this is your very first show, we're here every single day, same time, same place. You can check out the entire list of shows coming at you by scanning the QR code on your screen or by going to visit sellbetter.xyz. I am really excited today. We've got this awesome story from two phenomenal storytellers. We're going to talk about increasing reply rates with cadences, sequences. We've got Katie from Sendoso, and we have James, a phenomenal sales development leader who has worked with Katie, here to share their story. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. This is so exciting. I don't know, yeah. It's, it, you know, it is exciting. Well, how else would you want to spend this part of your day, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's no good group- thing of anybody would have used. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm reading your mind. I would love to see who's in the room. It helps us um, just kind of gear our conversation. So I'm going to launch a quick poll if you guys don't mind letting us know what role you're in or letting us know in the chat if it's not on here. Uh, But while you're doing that, quick shout out to our sponsors and our partners for making this possible. Free shows every day. Sales Loft, Sendoso, shout out Katie, and JB Sales. Thank you again so much. We're going to stick a link in the chat for you to check out JB Sales training if you are interested there's a nice little discount for you if you go through Sell Better, if you're interested in investing in yourself going into the new year. But let's see what we're here to talk about today. First, Katie, you're going to share that increased reply rate as an SDR. What was like the biggest uh, factor? What really played into your response rates and how that cadence changed? We're going to pivot over to James's story, seeing all of that new pipeline and all of the revenue generated and what was a big differentiator there. And then I know this topic's getting sent in a lot lately. Why those personalized sequences aren't just like the nice to have, they're a need to have and what we need to do to change. But first, let's see who is in the room. Let's see. Can you see that? So fancy. We got a lot of SDRs and BDRs, a lot of AEs. Welcome in leadership. Thanks for being here. We're glad to have you. Good stuff. Katie, before we like jump in, um, I want to ask you about segmentation because it came up in our conversation before and I've heard it five or six times in conversations with sales leaders this week in terms of like not segmenting and not having a strategy around segmenting either by title or by industry. Talk to us about like how segmentation changed things for you. Yeah. So to kind of back up a little bit, right, I started at Sendoso as an SDR in 2021. And at that time, our sequences, the top line reply rate was hovering around two to four percent, which wasn't fantastic, right? And so I, you know, had written some one-off emails. I was getting really great reply rates and I was promoted into a role where I could change all of our sequencing and rewrite all of our sequencing. And 
as I went about that process, I started to think about all the ways that I could segment our audience to provide the most relevant messaging to the recipient. And so I started with a concept by Skip Miller. Um, It's above the line and below the line. And if you're unfamiliar with Skip Miller, above the line or ATL buyers are typically a VP plus that is focused on the financial return for the investments that they're making, whereas a below the line buyer, a BTL buyer, is focused on the features, the benefits that are going to make their lives and their team's lives easier, right? So we segmented there first. Then we started looking at purchase stage and we leveraged Sixth Sense. So there's traditionally, you know, four buying stages. There's purchase and decision, and then there's consideration and awareness. And that's how I decided to group those two together. Uh, Purchase and decision buyers, we could assume we're not just looking at us, but also our competitors. So we needed to do a better job of differentiation with that group. And then those in consideration and awareness had lower, you know, intense scores. We probably needed to do a better job of educating right? Why should this matter to them? How can it help them in their role? And then from there, we moved on to job responsibilities, right? So for us, my value proposition to a field marketer is a lot different to that of a sales development leader like James, right? So with all of those variations and segmentation, we created sequences that, you know, broke all of that down it was really easy to duplicate them and just tweak them to to fit those different personas. But as a result, we did see a huge increase in reply rates, which was really exciting. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's something that is relative, like it takes that forefront. And like you mentioned, like the plan and the strategy. But once you do that, it's relatively easy to kind of align yeah. in that direction. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Once you do it, it's hard to go back because you see how much more it's resonating with your buyers, right? And then now everything I do, I try to segment in that manner. And we've just seen much better results doing that. James, like how do you, you have a a strong feeling about segmentation? The more you can segment in my mind, and and yeah, Katie hit the nail on the head, a lot of heads that I agree with. Um, Segmentation can slim things down to be that much more unique and if you're if you're not segmenting you're just throwing out noise um and there's too much noise especially with what the sales development business development world is doing is that the noise isn't going to get you the traction and the results you want ever yeah sure you might just be lucky and somebody happens to click on something by accident but the people who feel as though there's time being put into energy, being put into customizing, personalizing, making it about them, their segment, their role, whatever it is, even their geography, you know, it's it's it is so valuable. And every year the game changes what we do. And if you're not trying to think of or even get ahead of those kind of segmenting and even resegmenting or even resegmenting and even in the enterprise space there's segments within the enterprise space not just verticals but you know roles people geography times of year interest background hobbies accolades whatever um if you're not doing your homework ahead of time it's just a waste of time i like that that's a t-shirt right there that is a great t-shirt <laughs> can we make that happen i will make that happen we're, we're doing it size large please <laughs> got it 
I want to remind everyone in the chat really quick, change your chat settings at the bottom. There's a blue box. Change it from hosts and panelists to everyone so that we can all see your comments and questions. I think you gave some really great examples of like what you can segment. Um, I want to kind of switch gears here. Um, Katie, you shared this information with us on our pre-call. Can you just run us through kind of these basics and the background behind this? Yeah, so these are just some really interesting stats to be aware of when you're thinking about your email cadence sequence, whatever you want to talk, call it, um, outreach. So from the moment a prospect opens your email, they're only going to spend three seconds deciding whether or not they're going to read it. And then if they do decide to read that email, they're only going to take on average 11 seconds to skim through that message. So it's incredibly important to, you know, be short and simplified, uh, make sure that your message is easy to scan and understand with a lot of white space and a clear call to action to make it easy to skim through and figure out what it is that you are asking for or educating them on. Yeah, I I think about like, let us know in the chat when you get an email from a stranger, is this sound about right? Are you like, yeah, three seconds and I'm done. I'm hitting delete. Three seconds and I'm deciding if I'm gonna keep reading. Like that I think that checks out. Yeah. Anyone spend That's more pretty time? generous. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. I would say these days I mean, it's probably generous. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'd say even less than that. I mean, I have for those of you with iPhones, I don't do Android, so I don't know. I have expanded to amount of minimum maximum amount of lives you can preview without opening an email. I a lot of times it's zero seconds. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I will say that like as a buyer now, right? It is harder than ever to get in touch with me via email. Like I have thirty thousand unread emails in my inbox. I literally cannot keep up. So yeah. it is hard. Yeah, I think like. I was talking to a leader a couple weeks ago who was saying um, that sometimes he forgets to check his email because their their organization is so Slack heavy. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about that, and I was like, "Yeah, I I get that. <laughs> like, I have to be, I have to put it on my calendar. Like, go check your email." Yeah, me too. I can definitely relate to that. It's it's difficult to keep up with it. Okay. What about this sequence? What are we looking at? Talk us through this. Yeah, so this is the sequence layout that generates that 18 to 26% top line reply rate. And um, that kind of variation is because of the breakdown of the, you know, personas, ATL, BTL, et cetera, that we went over earlier. Now, this is a short seven-day sequence. Um, the day one email is very simple. Um, essentially, it says, hey, when we speak with people like you, they care about X and Y. Sendoso allows X teams to do X. Sound like something that could help your team value prop A and value prop B. Let me know either way and lunches on me. Right. And that's a really interesting approach. A lot of people will say not to gift in the first touch. I think Gifting is okay in that first email as long as you are not asking for someone's time outright, right? And so this, we see this being effective because we're simply asking for an answer to a question. And it's interesting because one of four things can happen, right? They don't reply. They reply and say yes, and we book a meeting. 
they reply no with an objection that my team can then try to overcome and get to a meeting, right? So we get that extra chance in there. Or they reply no for a legitimate reason and we can focus our efforts elsewhere, right? So either way, it's worth that like $10 lunch e-gift that we send out there. Then we do some call steps and there's another email that will, I think you have a slide for it that will show when it comes to personalized one-offs, but it's very short and and simple. Um, and it's pretty pretty manual. That first step is automatic, but the second email is manual and has a personalized gift inside, but it's all super relevant. So we've seen a lot of success there. Total miss on my part. I didn't even ask, James, did you get sold Sendoso off of a cold email or call? I have to admit, no. Okay. I was just curious. I think that I, I actually no to be to be to be fair to Sendosa. I got sold off of the experience of being gifted two years ago, even before I was at, at my current employer. And I knew the experience of what it was like, and it was customized to me. So I was like, all right, I should probably check them out. So to be fair. Okay. Nice. I just thought that'd be like a nice full circle moment. <laughs> Next I, I was a true pure inbound lead. How's that? <laughs> Okay, so let's like revisit this again really quick. So you're saying uh, you're, you're seeing success with that gift and email one. I know there's like that mixed feeling sometimes about it. Mm-hmm. Then this is just a, a shorter compressed. What's the um, uh, typical? Is this like a tier one? Like you, you know that these are people who are in your ICP. You know you want to get a hold of them. This isn't like we're not sending this to massive amounts of people. What is what is the typical person in this sequence? Right. So this is for like our target accounts, um, you know, the personas that we really want to go after because it does have these manual steps. Right. And I know that we'll touch on this later, but we'll probably have to you know, start leveraging this more and more with the new email rules. Um, but yeah, so this is essentially what all of our target personas go into first. Now, if they fall out of this without responding or engaging with us, then we'll put them into, you know, a drip nurture kind of thing uh, to see if we get any engagement there. But typically, right, with that 18 to 26% top line, we know if they're interested, we've booked a meeting, or we know if there's no use case by the time that they are you know, out of this sequence, right? We're talking one out of four people that we reach out to, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's do um, a quick talk about this email outline that you have. And then for the folks in the chat, yes, we will get a recording to your email inbox, typically within 24 hours. Yeah. So this is the second main email that goes out. And what I want to highlight here is You know, one of these, I I guess the biggest hesitation when it comes to gifting, right, and rightfully so, is that gifting can be viewed as bribery. And we actually preach against that, right? I think it's very important to separate the relevance and the personalization, aka the gift offer, within your emails. And this template does a very beautiful job of that. So, you know, first name, notice, company insight, X seems to be the team's focus. Do your reps ever struggle to X? Our company has helped company and company close that gap with solution. Worth the chat? 
P.S. Saw you were into cooking, wanted to send over my favorite cookbook for you to enjoy with a link, right? Very, very simple. Um, but that P.S. is pretty strategic, right? Because again, it separates uh, the two ideas, right? The relevance from the personalization. And P.S.s are actually shown to increase reply rates by 38%. Yeah. So, you know, this is coming off as gifting without expectation in return. But sellers don't get worried because the law of reciprocity comes into play here um, in your favor, right? So 99% of the time, people are not going to take the gift and run, right? As humans and human nature, we want to reciprocate. So traditionally, if they're going to take that gift, they're also going to book a meeting with you. So, yeah. Dan brings up a really great point in the chat. Like if it's not in your budget, I'm curious, um, yes or no, does your company have like a gifting budget or a platform for you as a seller? You can give us like a yes or no in the chat here. But there are like plenty of gives that you can can give if you don't have a budget as well. Um, I liked Dan's example there in the chat. It's a really great idea. But James, talk to me about like some of the creative things that you've seen, like what's caught your attention or what has your your team done that's like uh, had that extra over the top, like here's our favorite creative outreach way to get someone's attention in that in that first email. Yeah, I've got a, a, a few uh, examples, two that really came, came to front of mind when I was thinking about it earlier today. Um, I have a really creative team member out of Canada who did a couple of different personal campaigns, one of which was um, anybody who he was targeting that had any sort of do like historical references or interest in history. Um, they would He would actually campaign like, hey, you have some time. We'd love the opportunity to meet with you. But if to say thank you, we'd love to send you this brand new book on World War II or whatever it may be. Um, and then another campaign he created, which I thought was fantastic because of the big uh, subject, uh, even a, a separate talk that we did at our re recent user forum, um, any kind of higher ranked female uh, information security professionals he was targeting, he said, hey, I know I could send you something, but you probably get a plenty of gifts and offers all the time. I'd love to donate $100 to you know your favorite charity I saw that you're associated with, like girls that code on your LinkedIn profile love to donate $100 in your name to their cause. So really creative ways where it's not not like, hey, here's a water bottle or here's a sweatshirt with our logo on it. It's more like, what does that person care about? And actually taking the time to think about you know that kind of stuff, which really creative and really you know, shows a lot of empathy, sympathy, but really big intelligence muscles, so to speak. I think that brings up like, Katie's point of the argument against bribery too and how that like takes that off the table because it's a donation in your name or like just something that's personal. It's true. It's like sometimes when you get all the logoed items, it's like it's either a the one the one thing I will say is anytime we do a digital gift card, we always throw in an option of having it turn into donation instead because there's a lot of organizations that you can't send can't gift cards to you can't send gifting to and so to some that like for federal organizations yeah. you can't gift over 25 dollars. yeah so a lot of times it comes in handy especially during the holidays you know if you want to donate more it can that way so that's not back to the bribery thing it's actually doing it for a good cost yeah beautiful 
Okay, let's talk about the timing piece of things here because it it becomes such an important piece. I there's this talk about how only a certain percentage of people are ever in the buying cycle for what you have to offer and like trying to make sure that it's this like perfect alignment of are they looking for something that you're offering? What's going on in their organization? Can you talk us through like some of the timing pieces, just your thoughts and on this? Yeah. So for me, intent data is really important, right? If people are, you know, showing that they're interested in Sendoso, of course, we will always throw them into that sequence that we showed. Um, I think there's also so many opportunities throughout the funnel to, you know, leverage gifting. So of course, door openers, right? Standing out in the inbox is really hard right now. So if you're able to personalize and capture attention that way, it's really effective. And then, you know, post demo when, you know, an AE has finished that that first qualified call, right? And they are looking to establish that relationship early on, build those champions, you know, show that they actually care, um, not just about that person's business priorities, but also about them as a human being. Sending something really personalized as a thank you for their time can be really effective. Um, and, you know, there's some stat, I think it was, you know, there's an average of eight buyers involved in every decision today. So looping in those other stakeholders, right? Sending something like a plant and saying, hey, wanted to plant the idea of looping you into this conversation, right? So you can like shorten your sales cycles that way, which is also very helpful. Um you know, validation phase, right? We just talked about swag, sending a box of swag with some ROI collateral to help push it to a close where you're then sending like champagne, right? There's so many opportunities. Uh, and then I know, James, you and your team did uh, Wake the Dead campaign that was pretty cool. So I'll let you take over too. Yeah, it was actually a really great effort. We did we started doing it a couple of years ago uh, with our former head of uh, EMEA Marketing. And we came up with the idea of finding closed lost scenarios or previous customers uh, for one, multitude of reasons uh, went away, disappeared. We would send them um, Apple AirTags as, as the gift of like, find your way back to us kind of thing. Um, and in, in advance of taking the meeting, like, you know, it's 20 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it may be, not that big of a burn. But after the meeting, send them something else that was more customized and hopefully linked back to that air tag. But it was really great for like Halloween timeframe or Day of the Dead timeframe to wake the dead, right? Like we want to revisit, you know, our our previous lives together. You know, can we reignite that? And it was uh, it was really successful and at least reinitiating reinitiating, excuse me, um, conversations but relationships that may have gone, you know, stale. That was really helpful. I've got to know, like, these are such creative ideas. And I love like watching people talk in the chat about it, too. Uh, what's your favorite gift you've ever received or sent as a seller? Everyone like start chiming in in the chat. I feel like it's it's these times in this collaboration that like really gets the creativity going. And hopefully someone can find something that resonates in and, and helps them. I um, I once received a person a salesperson trying to get my attention sent me their face printed on a potato and listen like i don't know why i loved it i loved it 
I thought it was great. I know like it was a whole thing, but like trying to get into your inbox or your LinkedIn or, you know, like all these places, there is a lot of noise. And I got a potato in the mail with their face on it. It's just something that was like weird and caught my attention. It's not an interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll never forget that. Yeah. How fun is that? Like that's that's amazing. And it goes to show that like gifts don't have to be expensive to be effective. Yeah. Right. They just have to be unique, like a potato with your face painted or, you know, put on it or whatever, or just really personalized. Um, but that's hilarious. I love that. What were your what is whatever the fa- what are the favorite things you've received? Man, I I personally adore wearables. Right. So I would say most recently I got a Comsor hoodie. Hoodie. You've like seen them on LinkedIn. They're all oh, yeah. cool. they have this cute little dinosaur. The branding isn't in your face, which I think is very important for effective swag, right? No one really wants to walk around with, you know, I don't think that people who didn't work at Sendoso would want to walk around with this on. Um, so I I love subtle swag like that. Um I also, you know, got a box of I actually have it right here, which is so cool. Whenever I had my baby this cookie company sent me a custom box of cookies so that was really cute and personalized i loved that uh, there's a lot of really cool examples those are just some that come to mind james you got a favorite for me um actually it's a tie and they're both then so customer experiences of mine uh since signing up uh our account manager without even talking to me within 10 seconds of getting on a zoom meeting with me He's like, I would just send you something. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. You know, this is the first time I've ever been at customers and does so Sure enough, this is not a plug, but I went to the University of Michigan. We're all overly passionate about our football team, especially this year. And this amazing, wonderful Michigan water bottle shows up. And I'm like, how did you know? He goes, I didn't. I just kind of figured most people that went to Michigan are kind of overly passionate about the, the football team. I'm like, that's great. So like, that was the first real experience as a customer that I loved. And then fast forward, our customer support person, Bernice, she's fantastic by the way she goes what else can i do for you today end of a call and i'm like i don't know buy me a lamborghini suv <laughs> and then sure enough a week later a very small lamborghini suv showed up at my front door i'm like oh my god that is so cute i love it and it like it revs and it lights up and it like goes and stuff so it was like i, I still have it back here like i'll never forget that so cool so fun so fun okay James, like you and I, the other day we we're talking about this idea um, and you gave me this visual, so I have to share it, of the t-shirt cannons <laughs> at games. Go, give give us your theory. Give us your, your approach here. Uh, I apologize in advance. I did clear this with Leslie ahead of time, so I'm going to use my one curse word for the day. Uh, people love free shit. Just in general, Any, anybody who's ever been to an NBA game and seen one of these games, these guns go off, they, they go nuts. Like, it's a really ugly t-shirt. It's usually a double extra large. It's really poor quality cloth, but everybody cares because they're there because they're part of that. They're part of the experience. It's part of just, you know, going nuts over it. For me, it's it's great because it is that unique and customized, also almost an emotional moment. You know, if you catch that t-shirt, you're like, I'm never going to wear this. Like it, it's crap, but it's like, I got it. I won. You know, like I was part of the team kind of thing. 
And that was kind of the foundation of, for me, for, for gifting is like, you got to make it about the person who's receiving the t-shirt or whatever the gift is it's about them. It's not about the person shooting the gun. It's not about the dinosaur, or the rafters game. It's not about the team. It's about the fans. So that psychology of making it about the person receiving the gift is what's most important. Um, whether it's a t-shirt or a Michigan bottle or a little mini Lamborghini, because of that experience, that person receiving that t-shirt is going to remember that the rest of their lives. I'm going to probably hold on to this Lamborghini for as long as my baby doesn't steal it from me or run, <laughs> run it down the stairs and break it, right? The water bottle, I wouldn't even let my wife touch it. But the, the point is, it's such a personal experience and it's hard to break through that wall of going from the noise that's out there to being able to create a memorable experience and getting that attention that makes you unique and differentiate yourself from the rest of the people who are prospecting and sending millions and millions of 30,000 emails to your somebody's inbox. Right. Um, th- that was kind of the foundation of where like, I kind of went with the whole gifting platform I do this. And like, if we're going back to this connection and like response rates and increasing our open and increasing our just opportunities to get in front of people between segmentation and like adding in a gifting layer. Um, I, I know both of you have seen this increase. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the experience, both when you're segmenting your lists and when you're personalizing something and sending something to someone like you're not going to forget about that Lamborghini, right? Like that's going to be something that every time you see it or um, like I think about, I mean, like the potato, it's like a one-time use thing, but I have a screwdriver that I still have that like was gifted to me. And I know that's so lame, but it's amazing. I, it's right there. It's not lame because you remember it. Yeah. And I think life. about the person who gave it to me every time I use it. And that's the experience piece of it mm-hmm. when we're like starting to personalize, right? Yeah. And I think that's why I love Sendo so, so much because it the technology empowers the end, the, the gift her to the gift E to be that much more u- unique, that much more creative to use platforms integrations with like third party vendors like Amazon.com. You don't just have to have like a Sendo so hoodie printed up and sent out from the warehouse. You can have it directly coming from a third party vendor that you know is going to be unique to that person. And it's not, you know, great, cool, give it to my neighbor or donate it to Goodwill. It's a, oh, I'm going to keep that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Can I share uh, your project, a picture from uh, your, the project you're working on, Katie? Oh my gosh. Yes, you can. So this is like, I'm building this up on my LinkedIn. So you guys are getting a sneak peek here. Um, if anyone from my team is watching, don't kill me for going public with this yet. Um <laughs> but this is a really exciting project that I've been working on. Um, it's a, you know, a kit that we are going to send out to field marketers specifically. So going back to that segmentation, right, I'm taking all those learnings into the direct mail campaigns that we are running. And um, I'm thinking that by providing this more personalized experience, we're going to see a pretty high conversion rate from this. Um, But essentially, you know, just to kind of explain what's happening here. So the box is going to arrive like the picture on the left. Um, They are going to have to scan that QR code to watch a video about 
me throwing myself into field marketer shoes and kind of going to events and having the swag and everything sent to my house, uh, at which point they will get the code to unlock the kit. And then once they unlock, we we worked with this amazing artist, Emily Jeffords, um, and she, you know, hand drew this interior artwork. But essentially, it explains why these items are in here, right? So there's a box cutter in the kit because everyone always forgets box cutters at events. Uh, there's mints infused with caffeine because you don't want stank breath when you're at your booth. Plus, you know, these events are tiring. Um, there's also liquid IV, you know, for after your fifth networking event where, you know, you're tired and dehydrated, but, you know, you're trying and then finally, you get to um, the fake gift card, which which essentially will have a QR code on the back of it to learn more and book a meeting with us. So we're we're hoping to see that this like really targeted and personalized direct mail experience is delightful and relatable and makes people want to learn more about what we can do for field marketers. So really excited about it. Yeah, just like another creative thing. I want to shift to, you know, a question that people have been asking a lot. We alluded to it earlier with this change in email and inboxes being so hard to break into. Like if we're thinking about sequences and personalization, we have to move to that more personalized route, right? I know, Katie, that you've spoken about it quite a bit in terms of like, how you feel there's a sh this shift and what needs to happen. Can you just share a little bit about your thoughts there? Yeah. So, I mean, Gartner reported on the percentage of customers who expect cust or companies to be well-informed about their personalized information. And that was 86% for B2B, right? So buyers don't just want personalization, they're demanding it now. And sellers are going to have to lean into that to provide a more targeted experience. And then we also have other factors at play here, too, right, with the new Yahoo and Google emailing policies. Right. So I don't know if you want me to get into that quite yet, but yeah, we yeah. can talk. We can touch on that. You want me to pull this up? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that all of you on the call have heard about it, right? I kind of call it the end of the the cold email blasting era, right? Uh, so Yahoo and Google have new policies that are going to hit in February 2024. Um, and essentially, if users don't meet the requirements that you see on your screen here, their entire domain is going to be blocked. Uh, so, you know, we use at sendoso.com. If we send over 5,000 emails a day and we get a spam rate higher than 0 0.3, our entire domain is going to be blocked. Um, so I think with that shift uh, and the, these rule sets, right, we're going to have to see a more targeted approach. And of course, companies can use warmed up like kind of subdomains, right? So like getsendoso.com. But I mean, they're going to have to filter through all these subdomains. And at the end of the day, if you want to get ahead of the curve, I think, you know, mixing personalization and relevance in your outreach early on and getting good at that is going to be key. It's my two cents. Yeah, James, any any thoughts on that, too? A lot. Uh, <laughs> short of like only targeting people with Outlook 
uh, short of LinkedIn as uh, a great opportunity of being able to sell tiered structures of in mails that their customers can send send each each week each month. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's something that I've been talking about for years about personalization about you know, not just sending out text, not just sending out automation and. I mean, back when I was an SDR, the dark ages, there was no outreach. There was no sales lock. There was no sento. So there was no lead IQ. There was no anything. It was, here's your phone, press the buttons. Here's your computer. Here's your, like, here's your Rolodex, whatever you want to do. And I was copying and pasting email templates that I from a Word doc into my Outlook. So it's kind of going backwards, but into something that was really familiar for me in a weird way, where it's making, it's forcing prospectors and, and closers to be more personal, like the hard way. It's it's a jagged little pill that we all have to s- swallow now that it's not about volume. And even when I talk to uh, sales leaders or when I'm talking to fellow SDR leadership and they're like, oh, well, how many emails do you send every day? I'm like, I don't care. I can care about the results. And the people who get the results that I've worked with over the, now in my 18th year of doing sales development, including myself, are the ones who actually craft things that are meaningful, that actually get attention, that are unique and stand out, and don't just look like everybody else. To Katie's point, you get people that have an inbox of 30,000 emails. How the heck are you going to stick out from that? When it just look like, sound like, feel like, smell like everyone else. So I think if if prospectors and sellers are not nervous about this, they got to start being nervous. But um, it's funny, my dad gave me this book called Who Moved My Cheese the day I graduated college about 95 years ago. And it's all about change. And this is a change that we're all going to be facing. Everybody, not just some of us, not just prospectors, everybody. So it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. But I think it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I like the way you said that. I, um, I feel like relationship sellers kind of get a bad rap in a lot of sales books. And I feel like this is uh, 2024, the rise of the relationship seller. They're coming back, you know, like it's our turn. We get to be like cool again, you know, like it, it got a bad rap there yeah. for a while. It's like, oh. The, the one the one thing I am nervous about, though, is the prospectors who are going to be like, OK, great. I'm limited the amount of emails I can send out, blast out every week, every month, whatever. And they start leaning in on like text messaging mm-hmm. and finding the, I, that. Don't put that in the universe. Yeah. That's, 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 a, that's a little, little. So to, to everybody out there, it's, it's a little smarmy to do that at first. You should get permission before you text message a customer prospect. <laughs> but yeah, it's do not text me. But trust me. <laughs> I don't know. Beginning of 2021, did you guys get cold FaceTimes? I know I'm just we can't go back to that it's just we're not going there we do have a question in the Q&A section and if you have one you can stick it in there as well Sophie works in a really small startup um, and their clients are keeping their data close to their chest they're not sharing so is there something you could do instead of social proof whenever Katie like you were talking about it in your email example dropping you know a couple names social proof wise is there something else that kind of gives you that ledge that could help convert instead of social proof? 
Yeah. So this is interesting because we recently had this too, where we were reaching out to sports teams. We have a lot of like really professional teams that are actually customers of ours, which is crazy, but we can't name drop them. So what we've said is, you know, another hockey team has generated X, right? So you can always say like another company in your space has generated X or, you know, seen X results. Um, and I think that's usually pretty sufficient, right? Um, obviously, it's not ideal, I would say, to, you know, obviously, you want to be able to use these big names. But if you can't, I think that's a good alternative. James, I don't know if you have anything to add there. I've gotten creative in ways of doing this. Um, verbally, over the phone, it's a whole different ballgame than posting something in text uh, publicly or even an email. So, you know, I, I won't name the company just out of respect of the contract back in the day, but the largest retailer and the largest employer in the world signed up with my company. And for those of us who actually know who the heck that is, that's a pretty easy no, same thing to say. But yeah, we used a lot of, um, back when, even when I was in SDR, we would use a lot of names like uh, uh, kind of hinting at names. So in 2009, when I was last in SDR, in my territory was the Midwest. A substantial percentage of businesses are tied to the automotive industry in general in that part of the world. And that part of the world was basically going belly up everywhere. You know, everybody's unemployed. Thousands of people were being laid off. And I called the head of HR of one of the largest automotive manufacturers in the country, again, still not naming names. And they had a 45 minute conversation about how she just laid off 17,000 people. And I was able to tell that story because there's not many largest automotive industry, you know, employers that you can talk about in that same breath. So it, it kind of hinted, but it's, it's like, you know, smelling smoke without seeing fire kind of thing. And it was, it was really effective because those industries kind of know each other and then you start asking around doing their kind of back channel sort of homework and it's really helpful just hint but again if there's no way you can actually directly say names or intel or any sort of information you got to respect that but you know you can still get creative of how you go in in roundabout ways of you know suggesting we have a few minutes left here <clears throat> uh one more question but i wanted to like quickly the top three things, Katie, like you said, you made all these, you were able to come in, make all these changes. We quick fire. What are the top three things that you would recommend to someone if they're looking to like make an impact on their open or their response rate, reply rate? Yeah. Uh, so segmentation is the biggest thing. Uh, personalization plus relevance. I think also is another big thing. Like, don't just do one. I would suggest doing both. Um, and then just genuinely put yourself in your prospect's shoes and fully understand your value prop for different people. I think that that's also incredibly important. And then I'm um, adding a fourth one, little plug here. Um, and if you have the budget or if your team allows for it or if you can explore it, check out Sendoso Express. It is free. It's our free platform where you can try out gifting and get a sense for it and try it, right? See if it works for you with standing out. I think, you know, there's no harm in trying it and seeing if it works. I think we have a link we can drop in there too for you if you wanted to check it out. Um, and there's like, I've seen quite a few people ask about, you know, people working from home and addresses like, and here, that is 
exactly Sendoso's sweet spot there. So you don't have to be. I always felt creepy, right? It's like, <laughs> can you send me your home address? So I can, yeah, like people don't want to do that. So it helps that middle ground of you not releasing personal information to some stranger on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We just do address confirmation links. So that's how we get around the whole work from home thing for anyone wondering. Essentially, you generate a link that you then share with your prospect. They confirm your their address and you never see it on your end. Um, so it makes it very secure, right? Very convenient. Uh, we also have e-gift options, physical. So you can do that for either one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this thank you so much for sharing. I also will put it in the follow-up, but um, there's an article about how you increased with like some additional details. We'll add that in there. Um, uh, thank you guys so much for sharing your time and all of this information with us. For those of you on the call who I saw an AI comment earlier from Chris um, in the chat, tomorrow's show is actually all about AI. Jed is hosting Heather Murray. She is like the queen of AI, and she's sharing five relevant messages using ChatGPT and how to create a lead magnet. Um, so if that's your thing, if you're interested, check it out. There's a link in the chat. We also sent you all information to connect with Katie and James here so that you can uh, keep up with them as well. But you guys, again, thank you so, so much. It's been a gift and a treat as always. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast. We'll see you next time. You.